Welcome back, everybody, to the Rooted in Logos podcast, episode number 72. My name is Brad. I'm joined as always by my dear friend and co-conspirator, Austin. Austin, how's it going, man? Hello there. It is Saturday morning. It is roughly 8.15, or according to my clock, 8.18. It's 8.18. Get it right. Sorry. And uh, we're both like, all right, we're a little tired today. Yeah. So Austin's in the middle of a just a giant cleaning of his house, cleansing, cleansing, cleansing of the household, and uh, I can just see it in his face. He's like, "I'm ready for this to be over." (laughs) (laughs) Not not the podcast, the the cleaning part. Yes. Yes. A little bit of both. Yeah. I'm ready to get back to it, but I'm also ready to just be done. Yeah. Or almost there. That's why I paid someone to clean my garage. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh. Could have paid them. I could have. <laughs> Man. It's, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I'm not. It's fine. Anyway. Anyway. So we, <laughs> we are glad to be back. We're going to jump into the parable of the lost sheep. We've got two accounts mm. of that in the Gospels. We're just going to kind of go through. Might be one of the shorter episodes since we went like an hour and a half last week. That's true. On, on Bethel. And uh, we do want to acknowledge real quick uh, the passing of Bill Johnson's wife. Oh, man, yeah. And, and, and apparently I kept calling her Benji in the episode. Her name is Benny. Benny. I, I don't know where I... No, I think you said Benny. Was I saying Benny? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I was saying... Uh, either way, <laughs> we want to acknowledge uh, her passing. And, and you know, Austin, I... I Pose the question to Austin: Do we take the episode down just in in the, and we and he said this and I agree. You know, we weren't bashing the people. Yeah. You know, we were just talking about their belief system and kind of their teachings, their teachings, and and speaking truth into that. So we do we did obviously leave the make the decision to leave the episode up, but we do want to acknowledge the passing because anytime someone loses their life, it is it is sad, and we we do hope that you know her salvation experience with with christ was genuine and we yeah. hope that she is not in pain anymore yeah you know i saw a post uh from somebody i, th- I think from Lindsay. Uh, shout out Lindsay again but i saw a post from her the other day where and i'm gonna butcher the quote actually i'm just gonna find it because i don't want to butcher the quote <laughs> okay and and she posted this me it says uh the apostle paul entered heaven to the cheers of those he martyred that is how the gospel works hmm. and so our hope is that even though we do believe that the teachings of, of Benny and Bill Johnson are heretical and are, you know, dangerous, we, we do hope that her relationship with Christ is genuine and yeah. that she is in the arms of him now. Because yeah. we don't have anything personally against no, them as a, as, a, as a human being, as a soul, as someone who, you know, just like us, deserves to be in hell. <laughs> yeah. But by we the have, grace of God. But by the grace of God, we don't have to be. And so we do hope that, that she is healed and and is in pain no longer so yeah um, so prayers out to them and and to their family for for the time of mourning that they're experiencing so yeah yeah and, definitely uh, i mean death man it, it's been it's been a lot i feel like recently right and my uh you know we had some health issues on my dad's side of the family my, my aunt you know having having some uh cancer issues my grandma kind of just getting sick for a couple days there and kind of scaring us a little bit and then my uh, my grandpa's sister passed away um, mm. Thursday, and so we're you know kind of in the midst of all that. Just everything kind of hits at one time. It feels like sometimes. Yeah. So within the last couple of weeks, but so we're all just kind of dealing with some of the sadness of life. And so we're going to get into a topic that is not sad. Yeah, and we're going to be encouraging today. <laughs> at least that's my hope. That, that's mine. Be, yeah, yeah. that's my take on it. Yeah. So uh, we're going to talk about the parable of the lost sheep. We see this in Matthew chapter eighteen. Uh, verses 10, 10 through 14. 14. 
and then again in Luke 15, 1 through 7. And we're going to talk about a little bit about the differences and just kind of what this means and what this doesn't mean. I, I've seen a couple of takes that uh, I don't really like on the, on this passage. So we're going to kind of talk about that and just see what see what we see. Yeah, sounds good. So, uh, Austin, you want to read the Matthew account? Yeah, I'll take Matthew. Matthew 18.10. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine that he that never went astray. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. And then we see in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 7, uh, another telling of the parable. Uh, we talked about how some pe- people like to use the fact that these are the same stories and different gospels and they have different some different details in them. We like, people like to say that that means they're inconsistent. We've talked about that at length in our apologetics course, our series on apologetics. And so I think this falls into that category. This could be simply a retelling, Jesus telling the story again to another group of people, yeah. which is why there's a couple different you know, details that are a little bit different. Also, it's a parable. He's obviously not making a historical claim here. Right. He's telling a story to illustrate his point. So don't let these minor differences detract you from the meaning of the parable. So yeah. parable of the lost sheep, Luke chapter 15, one through seven says this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you having a hundred sheep if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in, in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Mm-hmm. And so that though that is the parable of the lost sheep. So let's uh, let's jump back over to Matthew and just kind of pick this apart. Yeah. One of the first things that I see here and that I've actually read people believe is that for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven. This is where we get the idea of guardian angels. Yep. Austin, what are your thoughts? It's a good question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I <laughs> Just with me, my own reading through scripture, I've I've never found anything that goes to that. As in, we have our own personal guardian angels that follow us around. For me, I, I always go back to Daniel when the angel appears to Daniel and says, "Hey, <laughs> we've been hearing your prayers for the past like thirty days, and I've been trying to get to you, but I've been fighting with the the prince of Persia, and then finally Michael came and basically gave me a relief so I could come." here to you. Right. And so not necessarily that we have specific angels following us around, but more so God sends them at the appointed time when needed. Yeah, absolutely. And and I do think I'm going to read something from uh, one of the commentaries I have here. And it says, this does not suggest that each believer has a personal guardian angel. Rather, the pronoun is collective and refers to the fact that believers are served by angels in general. These angels are pictured as always watching the face of God so as to hear his command to help a believer when needed. 
Treating any fellow believer with contempt is extremely serious since God and the holy angels are so concerned for their well-being. So, Psalms 34, 7, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? So, so just <clears throat> in case you thought that you had your own personal guardian angel, it's a cool thought. It is a cool thought. Yeah. But it doesn't seem biblical. <laughs> and that's, yeah, that's it. There's there's nowhere else in scripture that, that defines that. But more so, it's, you and, and really thinking of it as you have one is a very, how do I say that? Without sounding awful, <laughs> selfish? Not even selfish. It's a it's a low view of God, in my opinion. Okay, that you only have one because, as we see, that God uses all of His angels all at the same time, and He He's using them all over the world. So it's not that you have one; it's every single one of them are here to protect you. Right. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him. Not necessarily just talking about one. Granted, the angel of the Lord is more referred to other things, but it's fine. <laughs> Whatever. <clears throat> but that, that's my take on it. Yeah, that's a whole series we could do. Oh, on, yeah. Like, an, was it angelology? Angelology? I think it's actually called something different, but I don't know what I it is. I don't know. Angelology sounds sounds good. <laughs> we'll go with that. I'm going to look it up real quick. Study of angels. Study it's of probably angels. like All something, right. you know, Latin or something. <laughs> so, you move on to... It is. It is. It Angelology. is what? Angelology. Angelology. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> okay. So you move on to like 12 through 13, or 12 and 13 in Matthew chapter 18, and it's pretty self-explanatory, right? So it says, what do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. Mm. So there's a lot of things we can unpack there. It is pretty self-explanatory. The, the first I really want to get into, though, is, is verse 14. This is a verse that is used pretty frequently by those who deny the idea of election. It is one that those who believe in the idea of election have to contend with, because it's one that, you know, seems to contradict that belief system. I don't, I'm not going here. Never mind. Are we going there? Sure. Because I read it, and I take it as, no, this... They, this backs up my election. So yeah, reading through this, uh, we we get a divide. I mean, and the church again, not necessarily wanting to go here, but it we're talking about, so we'll go here of election versus not. And when some read this passage, they read it as so. Yeah, verse fourteen. So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Okay, so the take is that. One of these little ones isn't any little one in earth, you know, the humanity, all of them. Whereas I read it a little bit differently. So reading through this, I'll read it and I'll, and I'll, I'll go, through, go through it myself. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountain and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 that never went astray. So, I read this, and I'm looking at, okay, he has the 100 sheep. They're his. He bought them. He paid for them. He is tending to them. When one of them goes astray, he leaves the 99, 
And it's not like he's leaving them in peril. He's not leaving right. them on cliffside ready to fall. He's not leaving them with wolves surrounding them. They're, they're safe. They're okay. So if you look at Luke 15, verse 4, he says, does he not leave the 99 in the open country? Right. So he gives a little more detail in that telling of the story in the open country. So right. safe. Right. And, and that's it. They're, they're safe. A shepherd worth his salt would not leave 99 sheep to be slaughtered, knowing that they're surrounded to be slaughtered just to save one. Because then there would be no rejoicing. Right. He, yeah, sure, he saved one, but he lost 99. No, he, he's leaving them because they're okay, they're safe. And he's going after the one that's not. But I go back to, it's his. He, he bought it, he paid for it, and, and it goes back to you know the, the, the cross. He bought, he paid for them. They're his. Reading through that, though, a lot of people will look at it like, oh, no, the, the one is the rest of the world. The one is the... the a certain ser- people group. A certain people group, whereas yeah. the 99 are his, you know, the ones that have already been saved. And it's like, I, I, I can see that, yeah, but I, I just don't read it. I Granted, taking scripture as a whole, but I not going to other scriptures, just staying here. But, but it's interesting because you go to Luke, and what is directly after the parable of the sheep? Parable, parable of, of the lost, lost coin. coin. And then yeah. what's next? Prodigal son. Prodigal son. And and just having the prodigal son in mind of, okay, this this young man, he was there. He's already his son. He's already his son. Right. He goes away, he's lost, and he comes back. And so, when it, again, when I read it, it's, it's his. It's not like... The shepherd's not going stealing another sheep from another flock, right? That's my right? thought. Or like just going out and catching wild sheep. Right. He's not going out catching wild goats. His, his, as a shepherd, his owner, the owner of the sheep, the person that the shepherd works for, right, or the shepherd himself, if, if they're his, but the shepherd, his job, his sole job is to take care of those sheep. His sheep. His sheep. sheep. In this case, his 100 sheep. Right. His sole job is to pre- protect his flock. Right. So, when one goes astray, as one will do, because... We've said this a lot. Sheep are really not very smart. They're not smart, right? A sheep would would walk off a cliff yeah, if they would. You, without stopping, without hesitating, and then the whole flock would walk off that cliff because they're following. Yeah, right. They don't see danger. They don't understand danger. They're not very smart. Right. Neither are we. <laughs> Neither are we. Yeah. I'm reminded of how un, how not smart I am almost daily, right? <laughs> when the things I say or the decisions I make, and I'm like, that was dumb. Yeah. Why do I not get it through my head that when I do things God's way, things work out a lot better than when I try to go rogue and go on my own? Think smarter, Brad. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's a reason we're sheep. We're called sheep because we are. We're dumb. Yeah. Sheep are dumb. But our shepherd, our good shepherd, Jesus, God, he protects us. Yeah. We are his. Those of us who are called according to his purpose, those of us who, you know, in my view, God has has chosen before the foundation of the earth, we are his. And when we wander, when we walk astray, when we get distracted by the things of this world and we make stupid decisions, he's going to come find us. He's going to bring us back. We turn around, look, he's right there, right? Right. To break our legs, put us over his neck, (laughs) and carry us back to the flock. Yeah. And that's part of it, too. Shepherds would break the legs of their sheep in order to keep them from wandering off. He would allow them to heal, of course, and the sheep would heal and, hmm. and would be all right. But that was one of the ways. So when you see this idea, we see it in Luke 15, where he puts it around his neck and he carries him. Yeah. That's that's the picture there. 
is that he broke the leg of the sheep to keep him wandering off, and he oh, wow. carries him until he's healed. I didn't know that. Huh. Yeah. So that's the picture of what Jesus is doing. Yeah. He gives us consequences. We're, we we are, quote-unquote, punished here on earth, right? We, we go through things. Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe it's... Uh, not all sickness is like that. Don't get me wrong. Right. Maybe self-imposed right. sickness, right? Things we do that are kind of dumb, and you know, maybe that's alcoholism. Maybe that's drugs. Right. We have to deal with the consequences of those actions. And so God breaks our leg, keeps us from wandering off again, and carries us until we're healed. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Well, and so it, going back, so let's go to Luke, where the I guess the for me the biggest defense of the other side would be so. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, "This man receives sinners and eats with them." So he told them in this parable, "What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lost one?" of them does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes, he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance." So, and really, it's that last part. More joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. And so, they're going to, oh, well, it's talking about, you know, the ones that aren't his. It's like, okay, yeah, again, I can see that. But, again, just reading it this way of, no, it, it the tax collectors, the the sinners, they, they're, they're his. They just need to repent. They've, they have gone astray. And he's bringing them back. That's why he's there with them. It's not that he's going into a different sheepfold that isn't his and uh, and okay looking at it that way of oh well that's blasphemous because all sheep are his it's like well why why did he use the number 100 not not saying that 100 is super <laughs> indicative to he, there's only 100 people that he's right, choosing all right but that it's it's not a big number he's not saying i have a I have 1,000 sheep, or I have a million sheep, which that that's not too far. You go back and you read accounts of how many sheep that Jacob had, Jacob and his father-in-law, and it, it was not uncommon to have hundreds of thousands of sheep back then. So why did Jesus only have 100? Now, again, not saying 100 is super indicative to... Yeah, now we're getting a little Jehovah's Witnessy here. It's true, yeah. Right. <laughs> not, not that there's 144,000, yeah. No, but... But the point is, it, it, he's not saying all of the sheep are his, every single one. It, it's a tough road to go down. Yeah. Because yeah. It, it becomes a, a, a hot button issue. But it does indicate, again, he already has possession and he's already chosen and those are his. Right. Do we know who those people are? Absolutely. No, we don't. And no. so our, our, our job, our task is the Great Commission. Yeah. Right? Is to go make disciples of all nations. Because we don't know. And and our job is to be used by God to fulfill his purposes. Yeah. That that is what now, of course, God's not dependent on us. His will will happen no matter what we do, no matter what you know, how obedient we are. But our job as believers is to spread his message and to spread the good news. Right. That's it. Yeah. And if we let something like this, this conversation get in the way of that, we are not fulfilling the Great Commission. Right. So what? Whatever. No matter whatever side you're on, the spread end re- the gospel. Yeah, the end result. End the results same. the same. And so you don't. Th- this is why I keep coming back to this because we don't want this to be a dividing issue. Right. 
because it's not. If you have that hyper Calvinistic view of, oh, well, that nine, that, that 100th sheep that has gone astray, that's, that's not my job to go find him. That's Jesus's job. Jesus will do that. And my job is just to stay here with the flock. It's like, uh, no, you right. are not taking into account the rest of scripture. You're not taking into account that Christ, the Christ, the, the Messiah Christ. has commanded you to go into the world and proclaim his name. So I, I want to read this quote because again, we're getting into some muddy waters here. And this actually is a really good precursor to the conversation we're going to have in a few weeks about these topics. We're going to talk to people who, you know, believe and and read scripture in a reformed way, okay? We're going to talk about those who do believe in predestination and election, and we're going to kind of get how they view this, and we're going to leave ourselves kind of out of it as far as that more, belief more system. More interview style. More interview style. And then we're also going to talk about, talk to someone who holds strongly to the other side, and we're going to interview them and, and talk to them. And, and so, it's a, this is a good little push towards that right. end, which is what we're getting to in, a, in about a month or so. But I do want to read this because I think this is very important. It's a good place to start. It says, uh, this is from D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He is a Reformed theologian. He says, I believe in election and predestination, but I would not dream of putting it under the heading of essential. I put it under the heading of non-essential. You are not saved by your precise understanding of how this great salvation comes to you. Mm -hmm. What you must be clear about is that you are lost and damned, hopeless and helpless, and that nothing can save you but the grace of God and Jesus Christ, and only Him crucified, bearing the punishment of your sins, dying, rising again, ascending, sending the Spirit, regeneration. Those are the essentials. While I myself hold very definite and strong views on the subject, I will not separate from a man who cannot accept and believe the doctrines of election and predestination, and is Arminian, as long as he tells me that we are all saved by grace, and as long as the Calvinist agrees, as he must, that God calls all men everywhere to repentance. Yes. As long as both are prepared to agree about these things, I say we must not break fellowship. So I put election into the category of non-essentials. Amen. That is the best quote I've ever read yep. <laughs> on that subject when it comes to this being so divisive. Yes. And so, yes, Austin and I read Luke 15 and Matthew 18 in a more Reformed way. I like the term Reformed over Calvinist because I don't like following one man uh, right. that isn't Jesus, right? I'm not Calvinist. I just... I, I agree with a lot of his teachings. <laughs> yeah. So we, we do read this in a Reformed way, and I want to get to another topic on that here in just a second. But that doesn't mean that if you don't read it in a Reformed way, you can't quite get there, as, as a lot of our friends are that way, and, and, and we love them, and we don't want to break fellowship with them. And we understand that we are saved by grace, yeah, by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone, right? Like, right. that is that is it. We are saved by grace, and we all are called to repentance. Yeah. And whether we repent or not, that is between you and God, right? right? That's not between me and you. That's between you and God. We cannot control your response to the gospel call, right? period. Whether you believe that it is your purely your choice or whether you believe that it's God's choice, we are to make the gospel call to all nations. Yeah. And to be able to go to church and to have fellowship and community and that close knitness that scripture says that we're supposed to have, not being divisive, not being quarrelsome with each other, being able to sit down to talk about it, and then when we're done, go play volleyball, go go have a potluck, whatever, right? And still have that fellowship, which I, I believe I think we do pretty well. I do too, because we we go to a church that that holds different views than we do, and really it's been awesome because having those conversations has only really dove me deeper into my belief and and being secured in what I believe, not that 
you know, I am so close-minded to Scripture, because Brad, Brad and I say it all the time, if, like, if you have Scripture, bring it to us. I, my mind is open to Scripture, and my prayer is always, Lord, never let me rely on my own understanding. Right. But being able to have those conversations is awesome, because the point is, you're sparring, okay, with fellow believers. You're sharpening. Now, if you don't both come to the same realization or same understanding or whatever it is, that, that's fine. As long as it is not, you know, crucial to our, our Christian faith. Right. As long as it doesn't deny Christ. As long as right? it's not anti-scripture. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah. That's exactly it. Like it's, I'm fine with it. It's exactly what he says. It's, it's exactly this idea that you are not saved by your precise understanding of how this great salvation comes to you. Right. Well, we were talking about like Kevin Max from DC Talk, and I, I know we've mentioned him a lot on this podcast, but this idea that one side says he was never saved to begin with, one mm-hmm. side says he was saved and he walked away from it, and now he's not saved. I disagree with that particular side. That being said, the goal is still the same, right. is to bring him back into the fold. Right. Right? Pray for him. Pray, pray for, for him. Repentance. And, and, and if you have the opportunity to share with him and speak truth and, and speak truth and love to him, that's the end goal no matter which side of this you're on, right? Like, right. it doesn't matter if I... That, that's semantics at that point, right? Right. Like, it's, oh, he was never saved to begin with. Oh, I, I, we can't work together because you think he was never saved and I think he was. Right. No. Mm, yeah, that's no, not biblical. No, that's not biblical. Like, the goal is on either side, bring him back. Right. However he gets back... Let's bring him back. Yeah. I, I agree. So that actually does lead me down the path of the Can You Lose Your Salvation? We've done an episode on it. I think we might explore that topic again at some point because I think we have a better understanding, you know, as over the last year since we've done that episode. Yeah. Well, plus that the whole time since then, we've we've just been diving into it. Yeah. So, yeah. But I do think that Matthew 18 and Luke 15 speak into this topic mm-hmm. to some degree. Well, so did the last one, uh, the the wheat wheat and the wheat tears, and the weeds, yeah. yeah. Which our thirty minutes of off time was all about. That. <laughs> it really was. It really was. You went you went very meta on me on that one. You like went out into the into I the went, stars. I went and... very eschatology on it. Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah, I did. But we eschatology for those who don't know is a study of the end times. End times, uh, a topic that I just have not dove into much and i've been diving into it for probably the past three months yeah so that that is on the list of things to get to for sure but i i do want to i do believe that this this particular parable kind of encourages me Uh, yeah that as a follower of christ and as a child of god when i mess up and and even if i mess up for a couple days in a row or if i you know if i have a, a few you know a week or two of just you know whatever is going on in my world, self-pity or or depression or just doing whatever I want, right. he's still looking for me. He's still coming for me. He's still pursuing me, and he wants right. me back. Now, does that give me free license to go do that for a couple of weeks? No, because that's not the point. That, that would then mean I need to work out my own salvation in that moment, because if right. I feel like I can justify my actions by saying, oh, he'll forgive me later. Right. We see Paul talking about that a lot in his letter, saying, no, <clears throat> dummies, that's not what we're doing. Right. That's not how we're supposed to live. But it does give me encouragement knowing that, you know, I am human. My sin nature is still fully alive until this side of heaven, it will always be there. And there are going to be times where I screw up. My sin nature will always choose sin. Exactly. Yeah. 
And and there will be times when I follow my sin nature because that's unfortunately who we are right now. Yeah. And this passage gives me hope and encouragement that yes, I'm going to fall. I'm going to do things I shouldn't do or say things I shouldn't say or right. think things I shouldn't think. But he's still there. Right. And he's still coming after me. He's still pursuing me. I am still his. And so I don't have to live in this constant fear that every time I mess up, I'm done. Every right. time I mess up, I have to get resaved. Right. That's not what I have to do. I, I mess up. I realize I mess up. I take my leg breaking and I move on, right? Yeah. And I get back into the fold. You heal, come back stronger. That too, and in, in reading it as, okay, it's a parable. Jesus going and actually picking up the lost sheep and carrying him home. The footprints in the sand moment. Right. <laughs> but... Also, don't read that because because it could. I think it could be dangerous because thinking that okay is Jesus actually going to come pick you up himself and carry you back? It's like mm, no, not exactly because we read through scripture that who does he use? Well, us. He uses his his sons and his daughters to go do that to to go get those lost sheep. Right. Jesus. I and again, I'm I'm not going to say. He can't because I don't want to limit God's power. I mean, yeah, he could come down from heaven and pick you up. I mean, he could, you could have a uh, Saul on the road to Damascus moment. Right. But the point is who he uses to do that. And he uses your fellow brothers and sisters to do that. So, yeah, absolutely. Keep that in mind too. Well, and again, it is a parable. So it is a metaphor. It is, it is not a story that we are to take fully literally, right? right? We're supposed to pull the message out of the story. Right. This is one of those times where you are able to interpret it beyond. Like what it literally says. Literally says exactly. Right. This is an allegory. Not allegory. That's not the right term. It's it's a metaphor. It's a parable. It's a parable. Yeah. <laughs> it's. I mean, self-explanatory. It is what it is. Yeah. So so yeah, that's exactly right. It it, it doesn't necessarily mean that Jesus is going to appear to you and say, "Come, my child, my sheep." Right. Right. It is. It is. He uses us. He uses fellow believers to to pull you up and say, "Hey, let's get you back. Let's get you back on the right, right. path." Uh, it's it's that story that I mentioned. When I was kind of looking for the next church that I was going to join in, it was that story I mentioned of, of the pastor who was removed from the yeah. pulpit and removed from service of that church, but then stayed in that church. And I happened to you know be there the week that he was restored and in, back into the church. Yeah. It's that sort of mentality. Yes. It's it's that's how God uses you. There's those consequences. There's the leg breaking, right? Yeah. He was he was let go of his position. He you know didn't didn't serve. He wasn't able to teach. He wasn't able to preach. He wasn't able to to be super involved until he repented and until he went through the process. But once he got through that process, he was restored. Right. And that's that's a picture that we see in this. Right. We see a picture of church discipline, right? I, in fact, I, I want to say in Matthew, the mm. very next pa- thing that Jesus is talking about is, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him and if he uh, alone. And if he listens to you, you've gained a brother. But if he doesn't, take one or two others along with you. So we start seeing church discipline <laughs> brought into it af- right after the lost sheep. And so you do. You, you read that he uses fellow believers to bring you back into the right. fold, bring you back into the flock. Right. Well, and he can also use scenarios too. We and Luke talks about the the parable of the uh, prodigal son. It's like he he doesn't necessarily send someone to go get him, but he uses scenarios in order to push him back. So it, oh, it's still God pushing him back. A a to, to Jew his... working at a pig farm. Exactly. That was the epitome of 
uh, of um, as low as you can go. Yeah, <laughs> degradation and and just yeah, that was it's as low as you could be. Yeah, but it was for a Jew to work at a pig farm is the lowest they could possibly be. It, yeah. it was the most shameful position they could have ever imagined having. Yeah, and he was not only working with the pigs, he was wanting to eat what the pigs ate, or yeah. he did eat what the pigs ate. I think. I think he looked at it and was. So hungry that he was going to, maybe. Yeah. So e- either way, also another parable, so not necessarily a literal, right. literal historical you know, Fact. event. But yes, that's exactly right. He uses scenarios to bring you back. He puts you as low as you can be for you to realize, oh, hey, that was really dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Well, and, and that goes back to us being sheep. Yeah. It takes, extre- sometimes it takes extreme measures to get us back, to realize, right. oh, we screwed that up really bad. Because we think the grass is greener on the other side of grass the Grass is greener, or we're smarter, or we can do it on our own. What, whatever our mentality is, we're dumb. Yep. And that may, maybe that's the title of this episode, We Are Dumb. All I can hear is, uh, what's his name? John Christ. So dumb. <laughs> <laughs> What are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. So, I mean, we're going to wrap this up. I mean, we're, we're, this is a shorter episode for sure. I, I do think that's okay based on how long we've gone the last couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. I do like them to be a little longer, but it's okay. Like, this is a short, encouraging, slash controversial uh, topic this week. If and we were to go longer, it would be for certain other reasons. <laughs> exactly. So, we're going to, we're going to, kind of just wrap this up. And, and we just want this to be an encouraging uh, parable hmm. that, as Austin has said, and as I've said, that that what's what is his will not be stolen from him, and he will find, protect, and take care of what is his. Yes. And if you are his, you are secure. You are secure in your salvation. You're secure in your sonship. You're secure in your your authority. You're secure in your inheritance. Yeah. You are secure if you are his. You are an heir to the throne of the kingdom of God. And the Bible says that nothing will snatch us out of his hands. And that if we are in him and he is in us, nothing we can do can change that. Yeah. And that's the encouragement here is that yes, you are going to fall. You're gonna you're gonna stumble, you're gonna do something, say something, think something that is sin. It's going to you are going to mess up. And you might even go through a season of messing up. Right. And there's just the cycle that you can't seem to break. But just understand that you don't have to live in fear that every time that happens, you are now going to hell. Right. Well, Every time that happens, you have lost your salvation. That's not how this works. Well, the point is, because you are going to have a heart like David, when you are confronted with these things, you are going to repent, you're going to lament, and you're going to be truly, Lord God, please forgive me. Right. I, I have done this evil, wicked thing. Right. And uh, that, David, yeah. And that's what that's what we're talking about, how no matter what you do, you will not be taken away from him. Not that... Yeah, you could go out and murder someone and be like, yeah, I'm fine because I'm secured in my salvation. It's like, no. <laughs> that's no, a different issue. That's, that's a, different a heart issue, issue yeah. for sure. That's a salvation <clears throat> issue, potentially. It's that you have done something and automatically you're, you, you're convicted. Why? Well, because the Holy Spirit. But you're convicted and you repent and you are brought back as that lost sheep. You are brought back. And that's what we're talking about. Not that you can go out and do whatever you want. That grace may abound by no means. But no, 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 dummies. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> but you are brought back to repentance by way of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And and again, if you are his, nothing can change that. 
nothing can change that. That's my that's my takeaway from this. That is what, you know, I think there's a couple implications and applications of this passage, you know, the security of our salvation, the protection that we have under Christ, the love that he has for his sheep. I mean, the fact that he will, he will leave the 99 to go find the one that walked away. Yeah. Not leave them in danger, of course, not leave them where they can be picked off one by one. Right. But that he will leave the 99, make sure they are safe, they are secure, and he will go find you when you have wandered off. He will break your leg. <laughs> yeah. And he'll bring you back. Well, and so that is that is an interesting distinction, too, that the one that strayed, it was not dragged off. It was not Correct. pulled away. Correct. No one came and took it. It left on its own volition. So, yeah, leaving the 99, the shepherd is secured enough to know that they're not all just going to wander away. They're, they're together. Whereas this one has straight away. He is secured that the 99, something isn't going to come take them because they're secured, they're his. Whereas this one has straight off by its own volition. Right. And we see that even with our own lives of when we're looking at our own fleshly desires, when we're looking at the, these things, it is, it is our choice. Now, and this gets into <laughs> dicey things too. Of course. Because... Even if, okay, that sheep saw something it liked, okay, or it, it saw the greener grass, so-called, or thought there was greener grass, okay, there's the desire, and then there's the temptation. But ultimately, it was that sheep's choice to leave. Right. It's not that it was made to leave. That was the sheep's choice. Because the sheep chose what the sheep will always choose when not guided by the Holy Spirit. Right. When the Holy Spirit is not, when you fail to listen to the Holy Spirit, you will always choose your sin. You will right. always choose your desires. You will always choose to walk away, right. to wander off. Right. There's this the, the old hymn, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Mm. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it for thy throne above. Yeah, yeah. We are. We are prone to wander because we always want, without the Holy Spirit, when we, when we ignore it, or if we don't have it at all... We always will choose sin. And as Christians, you have to take responsibility. You cannot say, oh, I was like like Eve did and like Adam did. What did they do? They shifted the responsibility. They shifted the blame. Eve to the serpent and Adam to Eve. Exactly. Oh, I didn't do it. It was this woman. Oh, yeah. I didn't do it. It was this, this woman you gave me. This serpent. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, you made the choice to eat it. You made the choice to sin. And put that in your own life and everything you're doing sin-wise, anything like that, that's your choice. You did it. We've done it. Do not blame that on whoever else. Don't even blame it on the tempter. It is not <laughs> Satan's fault. Yeah. He tempted you, sure, but it was your choice to do it. Yeah. You had the opportunity to say no. Get out of it. Yeah. As as it says in Corinthians, where you have the opportunity to withstand that temptation. Yes. You have every resource at your disposal to say no. Yeah. That resource being the Holy Spirit. Yes. And his conviction and, and his, you know, when you pick up your phone and you're going to start looking at something you shouldn't look at, you have the opportunity to put that phone away or you have the opportunity to get in the Bible instead or right. literally put the phone down and walk to the other room and do something else. Right. I don't even care what that something else is. Like, you have the ability to do that. Chuck the phone out the window. <laughs> Yet, you choose at that. At this is where the, the, the whole idea of, again, it's a big topic, the whole idea of free will versus non-free will and partial free will and total... Whatever. Like, you do have the ability to choose your sin. Yep. Because guess what? We do it all the time. Yep. <laughs> because we're sheep. Yeah. Because we're dumb. Why? Because we're slave to sin. And our nature is sin. Yeah. Our natural inclination is to go against anything God says. But now we are not a slave to sin. 
and now we're we have been bought with the price so that we can know we can win that battle between our flesh and what god wants yeah exactly and until we get to heaven though we will fail from time to time and that is where this parable comes in yeah is that yes we're going to wander off from time to time because we we still have that sin nature within us but yep. we are never going to wander too far from his arms we're never going to wander too far from his grace and his forgiveness if we are his yeah Make I sure you agree. listen. Hear that little caveat. If we are his, you will never wander too far. So anyway, so that's the parable of the lost sheep. We're going to jump back in next week. We haven't quite decided where we're going next week because something threw a little wrench into the, into things with uh, a friend of ours. So we might bring somebody on next week. Maybe, maybe. maybe. Don't hold us to that because we haven't talked to that person yet. <laughs> so. <laughs> As of nine o'clock in the morning on Saturday when we record this one, we have not talked to that person yet, but we're, we might have a cool little follow-up to uh, Bethel's episode. Yeah, man. And if not, we're going to go on to another person and another yeah. false teacher and talk about that person. Anyway, give us a like. Give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you get your podcast. We are there. Give us a five-star review on Apple if you can. That'd be wonderful. Actually, I haven't looked in a couple days. Let me see if we have any more, because that would let me know that you all are listening to us and you really do like us. (laughs) I think last I saw on Facebook, it was like 87. 87 on Facebook? Okay, we're, we're getting close. I have 24 overall reviews. We have, I believe, three... One, two. Oh, we have four, which we read the last, most recent one last week. Yeah. We have four actual written reviews. And so, based on the numbers, we get about 50 to 75 downloads an episode at this moment. It's yeah. gone up a little bit lately, which is awesome. So, keep sharing us because we do want to make this July the biggest month we've ever had, whether it's yeah. this episode, whether it's just July's episodes, but whether it's the first one we did, whatever. Share episodes you think people need to hear. But also, based on the numbers, guys, about half of you aren't leaving us reviews. Yeah. So let's fix that problem. Actually, a lot of people probably don't use Apple, though, so that might be one of the issues. Yeah, I don't use it either. (laughs) So anyway, uh, give us a five-star review if you have Apple. That'd be great. That would really help us out. And just, again, looking forward to the next couple months and just kind of right now our season of just, you know, pressing on and pressing forward and then our season of growth that we're going to start pushing for here in the next couple yeah. months. So we're, we're pretty excited. So thank you guys for listening. We'll see you guys next week. In the meantime, stay, stay rooted. rooted.